I don't know about you guys, I was just ready to switch gears uh, here for a little while. So I've been, uh, we've been kind of talking on the book of James, and I think I kind of warned you guys uh, at some point, I, was gonna, I wanted to kind of transition over at some point, we'll get back to the book of James, but I kind of want to just take like a commercial break um, in that, and I want to really kind of talk about something that, you know, I don't talk about enough, but to me, it is really at the core of what I believe a relationship with God is all about, and that is the whole issue of intimacy with God. I mean, I grew up in a, in a, in a Lutheran church, um, and through no fault of anyone else's, I mean, I really did not have a personal relationship with, with God, with Jesus. I didn't really know anything about the Holy Spirit. You know, and so I kind of grew up with kind of this image that I think maybe a lot of us either grew up with or we've encountered it somewhere along the way. And that is, you know, is that God's kind of just this really old man sitting on a throne, grumpy, you know, constipated. Um, you know, we kind of just have these visions, these images of God. And then when you, you know, kind of uh, start coming in, into faith, some of those, a lot of those images are challenged and, and they're changed. Now, for me, the hardest concept for me to really get around was just this whole idea that God wanted a relationship with me. I mean, I just thought God was after something. God wanted me to do something, you know, but this relationship thing was just really kind of a whole new concept to me. And it wasn't um, really until probably about maybe eight, nine years ago, you know, this whole concept of intimacy with God. I mean, you know, to me, it just kind of took it to a whole different level. I mean, you can have a relationship with people, but when that relationship becomes intimate, I mean, it's gone to a whole new level. And so, for me, this is just kind of one of these things, like I said, I don't talk about enough, but I really do believe is at the core of what it really means to be in connection with God is what is it, what does it look like? I mean, you know, when we talk about intimacy with God, I mean, what does that look like? Um, and and it's, it's just one of those things that for me, I just get so caught up and so lost in a good way, in a wonderful way, um, just in that whole concept. So I don't know about you, but I feel like when I teach on this stuff, I feel like I am drinking out of a fire hose. Um, even working on that um, this last week, it's just been one of those things where I'll get like maybe a paragraph done and I'll just stop and meditate on that. I just think, oh, you know, this is just so powerful. And, you know, so I'm going to kind of just begin and I'm going to go kind of slow. And I tried to put as much of this as I can on the slides because I really, I want you to absorb this. I don't want you just to hear it and let's move on to the next point. I want you to absorb this because I believe that as you absorb this, it will make what's coming 
so much more powerful if you're really able to absorb, to understand, to begin to kind of reflect and appreciate what I believe God is after when I talk about uh, a relationship and when I talk about intimacy in that relationship. So um, I believe that that's kind of the life that God is pursuing with us. He doesn't want to just know you. He wants to intimately know you. We were in in, um, staff meeting this week, and um, it was my turn uh, to share a devotion. And um, just kind of where I've been in, in the last couple of weeks, I was really kind of just have been really reflecting a lot in, in Psalm um, 139. And it, it says in here, you know, uh, it, it talks about, you, O Lord, have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted. I love that. It's, God doesn't just know. He is intimately acquainted with all of my ways. And I believe God wants us in return to be intimately acquainted with his ways um, as well. So this is really what I believe uh, God is ultimately after is again just intimacy with us. And so I want to, we're just going to kind of take some time, take a little bit of break there from the book of James. And I want to just talk about this because I really do believe it can be, it really can be life changing if you can get to that place where, where you just feel you're intimately acquainted with the ways of God. Uh, because that's really ultimately what uh, intimacy with God is about. Look at this incredible passage from Proverbs 8. Um, the Lord, and it's referring there to God the Father, possessed me, and it's referring to Jesus, at the beginning of his way before his works of old. I, again referring to Jesus there, uh, was beside him as a master craftsman, daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Now, Proverbs 8 is really kind of giving us a picture. It's kind of giving us some insight into how the three persons of the Trinity, we, you know, I'll use the word Trinity. Um, I love Paul used the word Godhead. I love that. Um, And so when I'm using that word Godhead, what I'm talking about is I'm talking about the Trinitarian view of God, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. And so the scripture here in Proverbs 8, it's kind of giving us a viewpoint. It's giving us a look into the relationship that existed there in the Godhead before time even began, before God even spoke anything into creation. There was this fellowship, there was this unity among the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. From everlasting, I mean, before I mean, there, before there ever was time. I mean, again, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around this concept that from everlasting to everlasting, it means there was never, ever a time um, that the Father 
um, is in relationship with the Son and the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's one of those relationships that has always and will always exist. There's never, ever been a time that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have not been in fellowship or unity together. Now, that, that concept right there just blows my mind. I can't comprehend what that would look like, what that would consist of. So from everlasting, the Father has loved the Son, and that is the express image of himself, with ardent affection. Again, words escape me to describe the kind of love that exists there within that Godhead. There was no, there's no lack of relationship between father and son. Long before time existed, the son has continually erupted with love for the father. So there is this, there is this unfathomable, ununderstandable love that the father has for the son, that the son has for the father, that the father has for the spirit, that the spirit has for the father, that the spirit has for the son. We can't even begin to understand that kind of love that existed there within that Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And and again, the, the Spirit loves the Father and the Son with incomprehensible love and passion and zeal, just as the Father and the Son um incomprehensible love, passion, zeal for the Spirit. And the reason I'm stressing this is because the perplexing, the, 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 the truth I cannot get my mind wrapped around is that this Trinitarian, this Godhead fellowship among the Father, the, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is complete. I mean, it is There is nothing lacking in that fellowship. And the beautiful truth is we have been invited into that. We have been invited into the midst of that fellowship. This is the relentless, this is the passion, this is the desire of our heavenly Father. It is the desire, the passion of Jesus. It's what, it's what propelled him. It is what drove him to leave that fellowship and come to earth to rescue mankind was to bring us back into that. We're going to talk more about that in just a moment. It was to bring us back into that very personal, that very deep, that very beautiful, intimate relationship that exists between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now Paul, this is, what, this is kind of what propels Paul to say in Ephesians 2.13. He said, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have now been brought near or been brought back in. 
How near? We're going to discover and we're going to begin to look at the very heart, the very center of that fellowship that exists between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, understand this. We're not, we were not brought back into this to just be spectators. We are brought back into this to participate, to benefit from the relationship that exists there within that Godhead. We've been invited back into that. So we're being brought right into the very center. I mean, we're right smack dab in the middle of all that is being experienced and exchanged and felt between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The context, again, the purpose for humanity's creation was not out of a need that God had. God did not create us because he was lonely. God did not create mankind because he was bored and needed something to, you know, kind of fill his daytimer with. The context by which God created humanity was not out of need, but just out of an overflowing desire to lavish, to share, to reveal, to expose us to his love. So somewhere in the very depths of God's being, he has reserved, he has set aside a place for this ordained desire, the desire that he would dwell with man, mankind. Again, that just blows my mind. That is, that is not a concept I grew up with concerning God. Again, to me, God was very, very distant. He was unapproachable. He was unknowable. When I began to really begin to understand the true heart of God, you find here is a God who is very, very passionate, uh, just very, very consumed uh, with, his, with zeal in his love for us. The creator desires to bring the created. He wants to graft us back into this communion that is being shared by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so mankind, apart from all other creation, one of the things that makes mankind unique is that we have the honor, the invitation, the access through Jesus Christ to be brought back into, to be redeemed back into the fullness of all that is being experienced in that fellowship of the Godhead. That, that's just, again, wow. That's incredible. So just for, I guess, however long I feel like God's, moving me in this direction, I want to really just spend some time looking, thinking, unpacking, meditating, just savoring 
again, this issue of intimacy with God. Particularly, what does it look like? You know, why is it so crucial for us? You know, why isn't just a casual, kind of distant relationship with God good enough? I I can be okay with that. You know, we're kind of like the Israelites. You know, we don't want to go up on the mountain where the the thunder, the clouds kind of scare us. So we're just going to stay here at the bottom of the mountain. Moses, you kind of go. Let God talk to you. You come back. Tell us what God said. And and we're good with that. A lot of times we're good with that distance. But, but what, again, God is intimately acquainted with all of your ways and in the same token wants us to become intimately acquainted with him. So what does that look like? How do you pursue intimacy with God? And what gets in the way of that? And how do we resolve that? And how can we develop and deepen our intimacy with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Now, to have an intimate relationship with God, okay, this occurs, this happens when the deepest parts of you is able to experience, and I mean in a very real way, where you can experience partake and fellowship with the deep parts of the Godhead. That's intimacy with God, where the deepest part of your spirit is able to just bask. I mean, you, you, you can just get in there and you can experience the love, the passion, the beauty of what's happening there in that fellowship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That that is, to me, what intimacy with God is all about. It's when your heart, and I'm talking about your emotions, I'm talking about your desires, your passions, those deep things that you feel on the inside, when those parts of you are able to connect with the heart of God. When that happens, intimacy begins, it develops, and it deepens. And there is no bottom to that. So the deeper you go, the deeper you're gonna wanna go. And again, there's no end, there's no limit to that. You're not ever gonna hit uh, the bottom of that. You're not gonna cross a finish line in, uh, in pursuing uh, those parts, those deep parts of God. It, it's infinite. So again, the best place to begin looking at this issue, of course, is at the beginning. Genesis 1.1, where the Bible begins by saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the beginning being talked about there, of course, isn't the beginning of God because that God has no beginning. God is infinitely uh, exist. Um, he, he, uh, it's really referring to the beginnings of the creation of the heavens, the earth, uh, the six days of creation. That's what that is talking about there because before God began creating, he already was. 
Now, there's no beginning with God because God has always been and will forever be. Uh, Jesus, there's no beginning uh, with Jesus. He's always existed. Again, uh, uh, first chapter of John, it's, it's just one of those favorite places I like to camp out sometime uh, and just meditate on the truth there uh, in, in John. Uh, he was in the beginning with God. Uh, so there's never ever been a time that Jesus did not exist either. There's never been a time the Holy Spirit did not exist. So from now to eternity past, to eternity future, the Godhead, which consists of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, have existed together in complete, perfect harmony, complete, perfect triune fellowship and unity, one with another. Again, we don't understand. We don't have relationships like that. So it's hard for us to imagine what that relationship would look like. As a matter of fact, it is in this triune fellowship of the Godhead where you will discover, you will find the purest existence and expression of intimacy. So if you're going to define, discover, develop intimacy with God, we have to look at and we got to try to understand as best we can the intimacy that is expressed, that is shared, that is received, that is felt within the Godhead. Because that is the model, that is the source of true, pure intimacy. It exists within that, it flows within that, it flows forth from that, this triune fellowship of the Godhead. And this is crucial because our intimacy with God and ultimately with one another is a reflection of God's intimacy within the members of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So what does this glorious, awesome expression of intimacy look like within the Godhead? 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. Doesn't have love, he is the very stuff. He is the very essence of love. Now that word love there in the Greek word is agape. And that word there means the God kind of love. And again, for a better, clearer, more complete understanding of what that agape love looks like, you only have to go to 1 Corinthians 13. Now again, uh, the context where we hear 1 Corinthians 13 is oftentimes at weddings. And so when a lot of people hear 1 Corinthians 13 read at weddings and that word love, a lot of people just automatically assume that that is referring to the love between a husband and a wife. It's not. It can consist of that, but that's not what it's speaking to. It's talking about agape love there in 1 Corinthians 13. This is the kind of love that God is. And so Paul goes on there and he says, This agape love that is shared, that flows, that consists within the fellowship, the unity, the Godhead of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Paul said that love is patient. 
that love that God loves with, that God is, is kind. It is not boastful. It is not rude. This agape love, the kind of love that God has, does not rejoice in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. Now, it's great if human love expresses itself that way, and I'm all for that. But what Paul's describing here again is, I want you to understand the love that God is, what that love looks like, how that love acts. And this is that love that, again, is flowing, it's exchanging there in the Godhead between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He said that kind of love, it never gives up. It never loses faith. It is always hope-filled, and it endures through every circumstance. Said this love, this God love, this agape love, expressed in this triune fellowship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, never fails, and of all the attributes of the Godhead, faith, hope, and love, the greatest attribute in the midst of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is love. That's what Paul's describing. So within this fellowship, this triune unity of the Godhead, again, you will discover the purest, truest, most beautiful, most genuine, most complete love that will ever be known or experienced. It's the ultimate. It is the ultimate, ultimate, God's love. No other form or expression of love is greater than the love that is expressed and shared in that fellowship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God the Father perfectly, completely, wholly, and fully loves the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Son perfectly, wholly, completely, fully loves the Father and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit perfectly, fully, completely, perfectly loves the Father and the Son. Are you getting your mind wrapped around this? I mean, the, the way I see it is I just kind of see like, you know, and every analogy is a flawed analogy when it comes to God. There's no perfect analogy when it comes to God. I just kind of see Father, Son, Holy Spirit kind of just in a circle holding hands. And, and in this is just everything that, that, that love we're talking about there, it, it just, it's there. It, it, it flows and it's been there from eternity past and it will be there in eternity future. This is the kind of love that exists there. So there is kind of this interconnectedness within the triune fellowship. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty seven, he said, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians two eleven, he says, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. In other words, one cannot be fully known apart from the others. That is this interconnectedness. There is a bond within that fellowship 
of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there is perfect harmony. There is perfect unity. There is unity and perfection in thought, plan, and purpose. So there's never, ever a disagreement in this. There's no debating back and forth. There's no one person kind of going off and doing their own thing in this triune fellowship. There is, again, we don't have those kinds of relationships. But within this relationship, there is a perfection, a tightness, a consistency, a unity in purpose, in plan, in thought, in deed, in, in everything. Some theologians have described the roles within this triune fellowship as God the Father thinks it, God the Son gives voice to it or speaks it out, and God the Holy Spirit brings what the Father thought and the Son spoke into existence. So again, there's no disagreement, there's no dissension, there's no confusion among them. They reign in absolute, supreme authority, holiness, perfection, righteousness, beauty, kindness, gentleness. I mean, just go down the attributes. Within this fellowship, this Godhead, there is the purest of joy, of peace, faith, trust, compassion, and delight, and it just flows out and to one another within that unity. Jesus said in, in Matthew eleven twenty nine, he said, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So we know that whatever is in Jesus is also in the Father and in the Holy Spirit. Because again, they're unified. You're not going to have one acting in one way, one acting in a, in a completely opposite or contrary way. They are completely just 100% unified. So if Jesus is gentle uh, and, and humble in heart, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Father and the Holy Spirit function in that exact same way. So again, it, it is within that fellowship, it is in the midst of that, that we find rest for our souls. Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now again, within this triune fellowship, there is absolute truth. Jesus is not going to be the truth and the Father, you know, a different truth or uh, a, a truth that is contrary to the truth that Jesus is established in. Again, there is unity, there is consistency, there is perfection in that truth. There is purpose within the Godhead. And by that I mean they exist for a purpose. They don't exist just to exist 
Rather, there is a purpose for which the Godhead exists. And Jesus being the way, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus being the way implies he is the way, he is the access point by which we have access to this fellowship of the Godhead and to this intimacy. And from this triune fellowship of the Godhead, we find, among other things, intimacy both fully defined and fully expressed, thoroughly given, thoroughly received by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the good news, and where I'm kind of leading with all of this. As human beings, we were created intentionally on purpose to dwell in, to receive, and to share, to experience the fullness, the completeness, the perfection, the beauty, the passion, the zeal of all that is expressed and shared in this triune fellowship of the Godhead. That's why you were created. To be brought in to that very place. Let that sink in. That's your purpose. That's your place. That's what Jesus came and died for and went back, sent it back to the Father, was to be the way, the access point by which you enter into the fullness of what is being expressed there in the Godhead. The Creator, God the Father, desires to bring the created into this beautiful, wonderful, awesome communion, a sharing of the same quality that is expressed and shared between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Godhead's desire. Again, they're, they're, it, Jesus doesn't have one thought, yeah, I want humanity here, and God's like, I don't. There is a unity in purpose. The Godhead's desire and purpose and intent is to bring human beings into the fullness of all that is being shared and expressed and felt and given within that fellowship of the Godhead. And the Godhead does not, again, do this out of any need of its own. God doesn't do this because he's incomplete without us. He is, and that's why I went to these great pains to show you that, that this is, it, it, it was complete before time began. It is complete now. It will be complete for all eternity future. So God doesn't bring us in. He doesn't create this out of a need for himself, that he is somehow incomplete without us there. It is just out of his desire to lavish and to expose and to allow us to experience what they experience in that fellowship. 
There's nothing missing. There's no void. There's no inadequacy. There's no insufficiency. God has simply bestowed upon you and upon me the honor, the opportunity, the blessing, the joy, the pleasure of just being brought into that, allowed to access that and to experience what they're experiencing amongst themselves. Again, that intimate relationship, when I talk about intimacy with God, talking about the deepest parts of you, being able to experience, to partake, to benefit, to draw from, to experience the deep parts of the Godhead. And when we'll allow our emotions, again, uh, our, our heart, our desires, our passion, our, our spirit being, when, when that connects in us with, with the Godhead, that is where intimacy will begin, it will grow, and it will deepen. And I know this may, you know, again, oh, we're out of time. When God was creating the heavens and the earth, this is how I picture this. Again, you know, no analogy is perfect. But let me, let me just, Dan, I want, Dan, would you come up? Uh, Doug, just my name. And then trouble. Can you come up here for a second? I'm going to have you guys just kind of stand here in the middle. And I want you guys just to, just to be in a circle. And I want you just to, to hold hands. Huh? Yeah, you have to. These guys, they know each other. So I, knew that. I figured if anybody would be comfortable, it would be these three stooges. Now, what's interesting is, again, no analogy is perfect. I, I don't literally believe that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are up in heaven doing this. This is just the best way I know how to illustrate this for you. The beautiful thing and the thing that I cannot get my mind around was in Genesis chapter one, as God is created everything. I mean, all of creation is done. And God begins to create what is his crowning achievement It is in this humanity. I represent humanity. It is in the midst of this triune fellowship that God said, let us create man in our image. It's in the midst of this that God's plan for mankind came forth. And God gathered the dust. Remember, God breathed into that and the man became a living. It's, it's in the midst of this. It, it's not them here and mankind over here somewhere afar, a distant, no, 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 no. It was in this triune 
fellowship that God said, let us create man in our image, in our likeness. Now, we all know the story that, you know, Adam and Eve, they, they have communion. They have fellowship. It says God, you know, is among them, walking in the garden. God is communing. God is very intimate. There is fellowship between Adam and God and God and Adam. And you all know the story that one day the serpent came in and Adam decides to leave that fellowship that communion with God. And we know sin came and it it wreaked havoc in man's relationship with God and our relationship with one another. But the beautiful thing is, is that see, even though we broke that, the love that always was and always will be still was. And it's out of that love that God so loved us, the world, the sinner, the enemy of God, that nothing changed over here in that love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it was that love that Jesus left And he comes and he rescues us. I mean, he comes, he lives, he dies, he goes back to the Father for the very, very purpose of this to bring us back into the very midst of this triune fellowship. So, just over the next couple of weeks, We're just going to start unpacking, and I just want to start looking at, because the the thing that's, I think, true for probably a lot of us, and I'll include myself in this, this is a hard place to be because we don't feel like we deserve to be here. We think it's for other people, but we don't believe that this is really where God is desires, where God is drawing, where God is really desiring to bring us back into this place of fellowship with him. But it's true. So we're going we're gonna to be talking about that. Because uh, I think if you can get your mind and just begin to get your heart wrapped around the beauty of what God is trying to draw and to bring you into, uh, it, it, will, it will alter, it will change your relationship with God. Thanks, guys. Time goes so fast on Wednesday nights, but I, I don't want to get in trouble at home, so I, I know I need to stop because they kind of uh, work with the kids, and then they, uh, I know, like to be done at a certain time. So I want to just uh, just allow a little time for prayer here.